good Saturday morning. The show is the hockey show, as always, from 7 to 8 a.m. right here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Dave Rothenberg, leading you up to Joe Wiz, and then I'll be back at 9 o'clock this morning all the way until noon. Kind of feels like we might be in for another long, drawn-out Islanders series. Rangers with the new head coach. So, lot to get into on a Saturday morning right here on 98.7 uh, ESPN. Uh, three games in the book. Islanders trailing 2-1 so far through three. They won game one. They lost two and three. We'll recap all of it. We'll hear from Barry Trotz. We'll hear from all the particulars. Let me run through what the upcoming schedule does look like uh, moving forward for the series. Game four, a monster game four tonight against Tampa. 7.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Game five, which we know for a fact that we will have at Tampa, 7.30, also on 98.7 ESPN. If necessary, and the Islanders fan better hope that, in fact, it is, if necessary, Game 6. That'll be on Wednesday, uh, 7.30 on 98.7 ESPN. That'll be uh, at the Coliseum. And then Game 7, if necessary, next Friday at Tampa, again, right here, 7.30 on 98.7 ESPN. So how did we get to where we are right now? Well, game one in Tampa, let's uh, let's revisit what happened there. First period, no scoring. Second period, scoreless. Islanders finally light the lamp. Matthew Barzell with the goal, his fourth of the postseason. Josh Bailey with the assist at 12.32 of period two. And the Islanders take a one to nothing lead. And they take that into period number three. And in period number three, well, they really took a stranglehold on this game. Here they got it back in the Tampa and Pollock straight on shoot. He scores! Ryan pulls the trigger from center point. Blasted by Vasilevsky. And it's two nothing Islanders. An excited Chris King is heard right here on 98.7 ESPN. Pollock is fourth of the postseason. Eberle with the assist. 2-0 Islanders. Not a good goal from Vasilevsky. He was good for the rest of the game, but it was a bad goal. He saw the entire thing. Um, could not stop it. 2-0 Islanders at 536. It stayed that way until under a minute to go. Braden Point with the, the goal on the power play is ninth of the postseason. Uh, Kucherov and Killorn on the assist. 2-1. That's the final. Islanders, I don't want to say steal game one, but they take control a little bit of the series by winning game one by the score of 2-1. to one. Your three stars of game one. Braden Point, uh, the third star. Semi Varlamov with the second star. 30 saves on 31 shots. And Matthew Barzell is your number one star. He scores the first goal for the Islanders uh, to put them up by the score of one to nothing. So Islanders take a one game to none lead. And let's take a listen to the head coach of the Islanders after. Have you noticed a difference in, in the way Ryan Pollock has played offensively lately? He's playing really, really a solid uh, game like he has all year. It's just the pucks are, are going in. I think uh, early in the year or during the year, he's trying to actually score, trying to score. And now he's just putting pucks to the net and he's shooting it and they're going in. That's I don't think there's any change in his game. He's had a real solid season uh, from game one right to the to the end of the season. And it just, you know, his talent, his shot, uh, his poise, all those things that just they're going in. That's usually what happens with those defensemen when they uh, they want to put up those numbers. They, they end up not putting them up. And then when you just play solid, they they do. 
It turns out that Pulak scored actually the game-winning goal in Game 1. What's the benefits, Coach Trotz, of getting some offense from one of your defensemen? It's huge. Anytime you get your defense involved in the attack, it's it's huge for your for your offense. I think our lines have all chipped in, and if you can get your defense adding adding a little bit from the back end, uh, obviously that enhances the 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 percentage of you having success, uh, any kind of success. Now there was some conversation after game one that maybe just Tampa they didn't bring their A game. They were a little bit kind of docile the way that they played, a little little lack of aggression. And the Islanders also played very well, but but to that point, Barry Trotz, what was the key to limiting uh, the chances of your opponent in game one? I think number one is just managing the puck. Uh, two, we were disciplined. Three, we we didn't take a, a lot of risk, unnecessary risk. I shouldn't say we didn't take risk, unnecessary risk. I thought that all that game management, puck management. Management checked with our feet, and uh, I thought we made pretty good decisions. And uh, offensively, we, you know, I thought we we made good decisions in the offensive zone, even though we only got two goals. But I thought we managed uh, the game pretty well. So they kind of played their game. How important was it for your club to play their game in Game One? Well, I think that's what we we have to do. It doesn't matter uh, who we play against. We 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 know who we are. We got to play the way we have to. And it was it was good. It was good for you know, say a confidence from a confidence side that you know you get to your game and you can have success. And but we know that, so it's not it's not a revelation or a big surprise or anything like that. It's just you know guys were 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 dialed in and knew what we had to do and, and got it done. Now, we know last uh, postseason in the, I guess it was the Eastern Conference Finals as opposed to the semifinals, which is where we are now, uh, the Islanders didn't have a lot of time in between rounds two and three. They had much more time to kind of get their feet, rest a little bit. Did you feel having a little bit of rest made for a, a fair game one from last season to this one, Coach? Yeah, I, I I thought it was it was it was fair. It was fair that uh, you know uh, last year I didn't think it was fair at all. Just the the spot we put ourselves in. Just I thought today was more reminiscent of game two and three and four and five and six from last year. So both teams are are pretty well the same as they were last year. And there's not a lot of systematically we're we're pretty similar. There hasn't been any overhaul. I don't think uh, on both sides. So pretty well what we expected. And and that, in some ways that was good. There was a being familiar with a team that you haven't played for, you know, what is it, six months or whatever, it was good. Now, we mentioned earlier that Matt Barzell has the game uh, game's first goal, making it one nothing for the Islanders, and he's been scoring uh, quite well uh, of late. Here is the uh, head coach of the Islanders, uh, Barry Trotz, on the performance from number 13. Well, it was a really, really good good play. I thought Matty did a really good job of uh, making really good decisions. Uh, had good patience with the puck. He didn't try to do too much in, 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 in those critical areas. He moved it, and he was, he was really good. And then also with the um, on, on the goal. I mean, he, he straight-line hockey. That's when he's at his best. And then lastly, after Game 1, where the Isles took a one nothing uh, series lead, uh, Barry Trotz praised his goaltending, how good they've been. To me, goaltending, it's all about, you know, timely saves, you know, and we've got two that have done that for us. And, uh, you know, it was uh, Varley. Varley's done that not only through the playoffs and same with Soroki, they, uh, they've done it all year for us. And that's, you, you're going to need some big saves. I mean, their goaltender made some big saves for them. Uh, when we were up one nothing, I thought we had a couple of really good looks to, to, to get ahead. And then finally we did. We had to get a save from our goaltender and then we were able to come back and, and get the second one. But we, we had an opportunity a couple of times to, to do that before the big save by Varley. I don't know if you know it, but 
head coaches around the NHL are actually not allowed to refer to the players by their actual names. It has to be some kind of a shortened nickname. Varley, Soroki, that's an interesting one. But there we have it. So one game in the books. Islanders have a one nothing series lead at the moment. We move ahead to game two. Also in Tampa, first period, Braden Point with the goal. His 10th, remember, he scored the last goal in game one, first goal in game two, his 10th of the postseason. Uh, Savard and uh, Kucherov with the assist, one nothing Tampa at 8.58 of period one. Didn't last for long, though, however, because at 13.30, about four and a half minutes later, Brock Nelson unassisted on the power play, and we're 1-1, and we're 1-1 into period two, and that's when an interesting play happened. Um, For all intents and purposes, Lightning had seven guys on the ice. They had an extra skater. It can't be reviewed. Nothing happens. Palat scores the goal. Uh, I don't know that the extra skater actually did help Tampa, but in fact, you know, rules are rules, and they did have the extra skater on. So Palat with the goal, making it 2-1. Hedman and Kucherov with the assist at 13-15 of period two, and the Lightning take a 2-1 lead heading into the third. Uh, Ruda with the goal. His first of the postseason makes it 3-1. Goodrow and Coleman with the assist, 3-1 at 2-16 of the third. Lightning started to take over here. Hedman uh, with his first of the playoffs uh, on the power play. Kucherov and Stamkos with the assist make it 4-1 at 9-17. And then Matt Barzell again um, with the goal. His fifth of the postseason, Eberle and Letty with the assist, and that made it 4-2, and that was your final, your three stars of game two. Uh, Victor Hedman with the third star. He had a goal and an assist in that one. Vasilevsky, who was really, really good, stops 24 shots. And Kucherov gets your number one star. He had three helpers in game two. And after game two, as we are now tied at 1-1, finishing those first two games in Tampa, the head coach of the Islanders did discuss what happened, and he starts out by telling us what happened in the loss in game two for his club. I thought the two periods were pretty good for the most part. I mean, we, you know, it can be always a little bit better, but we knew a very good hockey team was going to have a very desperate push, and I really felt uh, we were in good shape. Obviously, the second goal, that one hurt uh, quite a bit because now you're, you know, you, if they get the third one, there's a little bit of, a little bit more separation. So, and obviously, you guys know there's too many men on the ice there. They had seven guys, so disappointed at that, but we, we tried to battle through that. I thought we had a little push after that, and then um, I Obviously, the the third goal that put us in a, a little bit of a, a bigger hole. So, from my standpoint, you know, we can be a lot better, and we will be. And uh, we knew that they were going to have their A game. All right, we we know, Coach, that you're unhappy. They had seven guys on the ice for their second goal, but did Barzell make a bad read on that play as well? Yeah, a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a read there. Uh, obviously, Kucherov uh, likes to, you know, he bought himself some time. And, uh, you know, usually you have to be aware there. Yeah, a little bit uh, of a bad read on, on that. I think Matt thought that uh, he could uh, disrupt the play a little bit. So that's what happens when you have to make quick decisions. And uh, once you commit to it, it's hard to, to back out of it. Did you give the Lightning too many um, chances with an extra man in game two? Yeah, tonight we kept them at 20%, which is, you know, half the, the rate that they usually hit at. So, yeah, we just can't take that many. Uh, and, uh, you know, they were taking some liberties tonight. So, well, well, you know, it's a long series. It was a feisty game, too. In Tampa, I mentioned how they were kind of a little bit dormant almost in game one. It was not like that in game two. But interesting moment in game two when Varlamov had to come out of the game and Sorokin went in. Was that for a concussion protocol coach? 
He was fine. He was going back in the net, and I think the NHL player safety or uh, called and said, you know, he's got to he's got to go into the room. So he did, and I thought uh, Sorokin came in and did a really good job. I mean, he I think it was Sorelli that, that came in wide and, and went wide around him, and he made a real good save. So uh, Sorokin's uh, came right in there and did a fantastic job. All right, Soroki played well in the time that Var- Varley was uh, actually out of the game, and here is uh, Barry uh, Trotz's take on what he got from his backup goaltender. He's fantastic. I mean, he, uh, he him like Soroki, uh, him like Varley, they're low maintenance uh, goaltenders, but he he's a total pro. He works at his game daily, even if he's not not uh, getting the call to start. Uh, he really works at his game. He puts in the time, the effort. He goes through his total game day routine that he he, he would every day. And um, that's why he's uh, he's been so consistent for us. So pleased with his net minders, whether it's Varley or Soroki, makes no difference. Uh, we have a lot to do this morning. We'll leave you off after game two with a, a kind of a cliffhanger like we did last week. What happens in game three? Almost like a days of our lives kind of thing. What happens when Joe meets Steve in the parking lot? What happens in game three? You'll find that out in just a moment. Uh, Dan Rosen, NHL.com, will join us a little bit later in the show. And the Rangers have their next head coach. And then we'll kind of preview what the Islanders have to do to get themselves back into their winning ways moving forward. Game four four tonight and then five six and hopefully a game seven next friday so lot to do it is the hockey show rothenberg with you on a saturday morning right here on 98 7 espn good morning hockey fans andy from merrick with a special island playoff trivia question Bobby Nystrom tipped a John Tonelli pass into the net against Philly in overtime to clinch the 1980 Stanley Cup. Nystrom and Tonelli made up two-thirds of the famed banana line. Can you name the third banana? Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Merrick with a special Islanders playoff trivia question. If you're a diehard fan, your new Wayne Merrick centers the banana line for Nystrom and Tonelli. What well, is the hockey show? Saturday morning, Rothenberg with you right here on 9870 SP. And I'll be back a little bit later on in the morning at 9 o'clock, and we'll do all sorts of stuff. We'll, we'll get into the NBA, the, the just disaster that, that Ben Simmons and the 76ers have become, and all sorts of things around, uh, around the NBA. We'll get to the Yankees, the Mets, and certainly the Islanders game four as well. So we left you off. Islanders and the Lightning were, were um, 1-1 heading into game three. At the Coliseum, what did it uh, play out like? Let's let's get to it. Uh, the the Coliseum was just a, I mean, at an absolute fever pitch, right? I mean, the 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 fan base thrilled. They go down to Tampa. They they win game one. They lose game two in a, a, a hotly contested game, and they come back for game three. And this excitable fan base, this fan base which is at such a fever pitch, was not thrilled at 10.05 of the first period. Yanni Gord with the goal, his third of the postseason, Chernak and Coleman with the assist. And we're looking at one nothing at 10.05 of the first period. And that, that led you all the way uh, into period number two. And late stages of period number two, Cal Clutterbuck. Uh, lights the lamp on what was a really bizarre goal. Tampa tried to kind of shovel it uh, into Vasilevsky. It came free. Clutterbuck hammered it home, and the Islanders scored, really assisted by Tampa almost. But Clutterbuck with the goal, his fourth of the postseason at 17-01. Sezikis and Martin with the assists, and it was 1-1 with a little under three minutes to go in period number two. And then in in what felt like really a game-changing play, 
1940, and Rangers fans, at 1940 of period number two, Braden Point, who gets cross-checked, knocked down um, from the ice, actually kind of hammers this one, and it somehow trickles past uh, Varlamov and goes in. Point's 11th goal of the postseason, Hedman and and Kucherov with the assist, and that makes it 2-1, late stages of period number two, no scoring in the third period, and that is your final score, 2-1, game three, Lightning take a 2-1 series lead heading into game four tonight from the Coliseum. After the game, Barry Trotz did address the media. First question, coach, did you generate enough chances in game three? Yeah, well, they, they, you know, they've they've been in this position a few times. Obviously, they're Stanley Cup champions. They've got uh, they've been in these situations. So we, we tried, we we tried, and we just have to go get more pucks. We're gonna have to get inside. We had some chances, and uh, Vasilevsky made a couple a couple of key saves. They didn't have a lot tonight. I thought we were pretty good defensively as well. A lot of stuff they got. Uh, I think we gave it to them. So you know, it's funny as you go along this path, you go deeper and deeper. The teams are are better and better, and uh, you've got to dig in even harder and harder. And, and that's where we are right now. And, and I, I will talk to Dan Rosen about this in a couple minutes from NHL.com. But you look at where the Islanders are. Uh, of course, it's not a must-win situation, but it's as close to a must-win situation as you could possibly have heading into a game four. The season doesn't end, but realistically, is this, and I know they did it against Boston, I know they did it against Pittsburgh, this is a different animal altogether. I don't think anybody expects the Islanders to rattle off three consecutive wins and two in Tampa against the Lightning. So if the Islanders want to keep any kind of realistic postseason chances alive tonight, it has to change tonight. Uh, the second goal of the game, kind of interesting. Um, did you think about challenging that goal from the standpoint of um, I'm going up for replay, Coach Trotz? Well, we, we trust our uh, our guys. I think if you really look at it, uh, uh, I think uh, Green was, uh, you know, caught with uh, Sorelli in, the, in that crease area. Uh, I trust my guys who know the rules and uh, really get to, to look at it on the Hawkeye. And uh, at that point in time, we didn't feel there was enough there to challenge that. So we didn't challenge it. And they're just going to waste a challenge. And uh, they wouldn't have won that one. So they decided against it. So here we are. Heading into game four, after game three, do you expect tight, low-scoring games for the rest of the postseason? Yeah, I, I think the you know all the uh, you know they've been very good on the road. Their their goals against is really really solid through the uh, the playoffs, and I, ours has been as well. There wasn't much room out there. Both teams are are adjusting to to each other, and um, you know we'll go at it again. But there there's two teams going head head to head, and and um, you know you got to go through some of their surges, and they they got to defend against some of our surges, and you know hopefully we can find the back of that a little bit more here. Now, let, let's be fair. I mean, we're three games into this postseason. The Islanders have scored a lot in the playoffs, but we're three games in so far to this series. The Islanders have, have not put the, peck, pu- the puck, easy for me to say, uh, in, the, uh, in the net a lot. I mean, you put two goals uh, on the board in game one. You put two goals on the board in game two, and the, and the, the last one, you know, it's 4-1 game, so you, you score a second goal, and then you score once in, in game three. So certainly the Islanders have not been great offensively, as good as they have been uh, prior to this series, and, and I think that has to change to give themselves a realistic chance to win this series. Uh, mentioned it with A.J. Malesko a couple of weeks ago, said that, that Matt Barzell has to be better. And, and he has been, and considerably better since we had that conversation. Well, Coach Trotz, does Anthony Bavillier have to do more moving forward for your team to, to go ahead and win this series? 
He's a good player. They're obviously they're playing him real tight. They're playing our top guys uh, real tight. You know they're making it difficult. You got to fight for inches. I mean, it's no different than you know. I think the Barzi struggled early in the playoffs because he wasn't quite willing to fight for those inches and wasn't get much done. I think right now Bo's got to find a way to fight for more inches. That's all. Everybody has to. Uh, I mean, Bavillier, you you name it. I mean, th- there is no tomorrow. This is it. And when you really sit and think about it, this could be, in theory, the last game uh, ever for the Islanders at Nassau Coliseum. So I, I expect just to see a, a really different level for the Islanders uh, heading into game four because you have to leave it all out there on the ice. So we've seen this before. We've danced this dance, and I think that's the tack you take if you're a fan of the Islanders. We were down 2-1 against Pittsburgh. We were down 2-1 against Boston, and now we're down 2-1 against Tampa. So it poses the question, Coach, any reason you continue to fall behind 2-1 in all these postseason series? I wish I could tell you. I have no answer for you. It's just the, the way it goes. And, you know, like I say, we're going to have to look forward to the next game, the next opportunity, see if we can uh, get the next game, make a best of three. Well, that next opportunity is tonight in what is as close to a must-win for the Islanders as we've seen in this postseason. But let, let's not make any mistake. They have been as resilient a team as there is in the postseason because they had their backs to the wall against Pittsburgh. They were two two. They were down 2-1. They win game four. They go to Pittsburgh. They didn't look great in that game. They get the goal in overtime. They come home for game six. They look phenomenal. Against Boston, down 2-1 and find a way. So I would never count this team out, ever, uh, the Islanders. Uh, Quickly, the three stars of game three. Cal Clutterbuck, who scored the Islanders' lone goal, uh, is your third star. Braden Point, who is just, I mean, you talk about raising your level in the biggest moments. He is just sensational. He's your second star. And Andre Vasilevsky, who stops 27 of 28 shots, is your third star. Uh, I'm sorry, your first star in game three. So there you have it. We kind of did a little recap, a look ahead as well. Dan Rosen from NHL.com will join us in just a moment. We'll get deep into the woods and into the weeds with the Islanders. What needs to change? How vital is this game three? And we'll also Rangers fans who are just, and I get it, kind of nauseous about the nonstop Islanders conversation. What does Dan uh, feel about the Rangers new hire in Gerard Gallant? We'll touch on that as well. Dan Rosen, NHL.com is next right here. It's the Hockey Show. Rothenberg with you Saturday morning on 98.7 ESPN. It is the Hockey Show. Dave Rothenberg with you on a Saturday morning. One of our favorite guests that we have on the Hockey Show here on 9870 ESPN from NHL.com, the uber-talented Dan Rosen. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good morning, David. By the way, i got to mention, I was yeah. listening the other day going to the Coliseum. They had, I was listening to your station, uh, the Michael K. Show, and they had Rick DiPietro on Talking Islanders, and then he just started killing you, like just destroying you. you got to get him back. Uh, I I get him back constantly. You know what it is? He's completely neurotic, and it makes him feel better to to take shots at anybody not named Michael K. Like, he will take shots at me. He'll take shots at Candy. He'll take shots at... very buddy-buddy. Oh, it's it's uncomfortable. I mean, because he will not say anything negative about Michael K. no matter how much you press him. He didn't like the shirt. K wore some ridiculous shirt uh, on on his show the other day, and everyone was killing him for it. Don... Yeah, and Don got like apoplectic at what a disgusting shirt it was. I asked Rick about it. He said no. I, he he didn't have any issue at all with the shirt. He thought it was a lovely shirt. So it's just it's not a genuine friendship that they have. 
<laughs> I got you. Well, I'm sure you get him back at then. So. <laughs> Don't you worry. I promise on your good name yeah. that I'll get him back at some point. So I want to I want right. to jump into obviously the series. It kind of felt like game one, the lightning. I don't know, Dan. It felt like something was, was somewhat missing from, from the way that we're accustomed to watching them play. But in game two, games three, they've been, they've been a much better hockey team. Yeah, well, something was missing. They, their competitive level was missing in, in game one. It's not like they didn't try in game one. They tried, but they weren't in the game as they needed to be for a game one of a the Stanley Cup semifinals, Final Four, Conference Final, whatever you want to call it. And the Islanders just played their game. The Islanders didn't do anything special in game one. They played Islander hockey. They played a strong game. That's what they always do, you know. And the Lightning were giving the puck away. They couldn't get through the neutral zone. Uh, it was uncharacteristic of, the, of uh, the Lightning, very characteristic type of game for the Islanders. But then you saw in game two, the, and then the Lightning did this on purpose to get themselves more engaged in the game. They started doing a little stuff after the whistle, pushing, shoving, jawing, things along those lines. It got everybody fired up a little bit more, and that helped them. That got them into the game. And then, you know, game and they won. And then game three, I just think they they get, you know, the Lightning have become so good at getting a lead uh, and getting it back if they give it up, going into the third period and shutting it down. They pretty much beat the Islanders at their own game in game three. Any concern at all? I mean, Islanders scored two goals in game one. They scored two goals, but one of them was a very late goal in, in game two, and they score one goal in game three, so five goals in, in three games so far. Any concern about, I guess for lack of a better term, lack of scoring from the Isles so far in the series? Well, this is the problem that they've had at times throughout the season is that they just go into offensive lulls. Um, a perfect example is Anthony Beauvillier, a nice, good second-line player who's a streaky scorer. I think he had something in the neighborhood of 11 points in the first half of the you know the first uh, seven or eight playoff games. I don't have the map, but 100%, right? But he's got like two assists in the last like six games or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I think there's concern. And, and I think the the bigger part of that concern is they haven't scored, but it's not like Andre Vasilevsky has been dynamite and beating them. And he's the best goaltender in the world. What's happened is the Lightning are just locking them down, shutting them down. They're not allowing them to get very much. They're not getting uh, anywhere near Vasilevsky at times to, to disrupt the goaltender and to, to get his eyes, take his eyes away and, and, you know, shoot through bodies and get goals like that. It's just not happening for them. So, I mean, Clutterbuck scores in game three, but that was really an own goal, basically. The Lightning kind of put that one in themselves. You know, it was a weird play. And it was they, horrendous. They trying to get it back to the goalie. Yeah, it was bad. Eric Chernak, you know, so, I mean, Andre Vasilevsky fumbles the puck. Chernak, instead of clearing it, tries to shove it back into his goalie which is not what you're supposed to do. It goes off Clutterbuck and into the net. So it's kind of an own goal there almost. The Islanders got to get more. It's the old cliche in, you know, in hockey. You got you to take your eyes away. They got to do things like that. They really have to. And I think one of the things that they have to do from just a strict you know, style play and you know, game plan is do a little bit of what the Lightning have done, which is get the puck in deep and go low to high because that's how you can – get the defense moving, get the goaltender moving, and that's how you also get bodies in the net because you're, you're playing low and then you're moving the puck high, but the players are still down low. The forwards are still down low. They need to do a lot more of that. 
Uh, so we head into game four. It's tonight. It's at the Coliseum. I know you'll be there. I know you were at game three as well. Dan, I mean, there's about, what, 14,000 of your of your nearest and dearest that were at game three along with you. But for those that haven't been to a, a postseason game yet, uh, walk us through. I mean, what, what, what does it feel like? How great is it to be back to watch live sporting men, to have the crowd, to have the, the frenetic pace at the Coliseum? I mean, it, it just it has this really ultra special feeling. It really does. And that building especially does. Um, and it's obviously it's the swan song, a send off of the building from the Islanders perspective and all that. And, you know, their fans are so engaged. I will say, I mean, and you know, this Dave, in, in a New York market, the Islander fans feel slighted. They feel like they don't get enough attention. They don't, um, they, they, you know, and, and it's always us against the world mentality. And, they bring that into the Coliseum and they kind of bring that, like, we're going to show you into the Coliseum how great we are. And it's kind of like, it, it reminds me of sort of like a European soccer game. Like there's chance, they have chance for players. They were chanting uncle Leo in game three for Leo Komarov. It's just great. Uh, the building, the, the, the roof is low. So the, the sound reverberates around the building and the press box at Nassau Coliseum is low compared to all these new buildings where we're like, our noses are touching the ceilings, basically, in the press box. This one's lower uh, because the, the roof is lower. And you and, and me, and, you know, in, in my working capacity, really get a feel for it because you feel like you're with the crowd in a way. And it, it, is, it is a real special place. Um, I'm going to be sad to see it go. It's the time for it to go. They need a bigger, more professional building. Uh, but... It's such a special place, and the fans make it such a special place. And it was for Game 3. It was awesome. Now, the Lightning took them out of it a little bit by the way they played, but still, that place was rocking at times. And I don't know if it was because I haven't been to, in person to a Stanley Cup playoff game since 2019 Stanley Cup Final, but the pace looked like warp speed to me as I was watching it live, and it looked faster than it is on TV. It's a, and that's the beauty of a hockey game in person. Well, yeah, I mean, it is when you watch hot, when you watch any sport, though, like you watch a, a pitcher on TV and, and he's throwing 98 and you look at it you're like, boy, it doesn't look like it's that fast, but it's so fast. You watch guys in the NFL and, yeah. and, and the length of throws, you're like, it doesn't look that far when you watch on TV, but it is. And hockey, too. When you go to a hockey game, it's a it's just a any sport in person. You you recognize how big, how fast, how aggressive all of it that you just you don't you don't pick up on yeah. television. Well, the thing about hockey, too, more than the other sports, is the sounds of the game are violent. I mean, it's violent sounds in the game. Skates slashing through ice, bodies crashing against hard boards and glass, you know. Uh, and that is the best, some of the best parts of a hockey game is, is hearing the game. And that was actually one of the things I did enjoy when they played in the bubble last year and they played without fans is you could really hear the game, you know? Um, but the sounds of the fans, I, 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 on top of that, the sounds of the players that they, they're making, it's just, it's, it's just excitement. That's why hockey to me is, and, and I know I'm biased, but hockey to me is the best sport to watch in person because you really feel like you're a part of it. And the crowds go nuts. Yeah, uh, the crowd loves the big hitting, and the playoff hockey is at a completely different level. Dan Rosen, NHL.com, joining us here on a Saturday morning, 98.7 ESPN. You know, when you think about the Lightning, their goaltending is sensational. And like you said, I don't think he's been phenomenal. Actually allowed a bad goal, the second goal uh, in Game 1. But 
just a guy that every mm-hmm. time you look up, he's putting the puck in the net, and that's Braden Point. He really is. I don't know that he's underrated anymore because he has 11 goals already this postseason, but he is some special kind of player for the Lightning. He, he is so special. He, he, he's a gamer. I mean, he's just a guy that's always going to be there score, be there for you. He, he finds a way to score the big goal. Uh, he's got 11 goals in the playoffs this season to lead the playoffs in goal scoring. And he did last season. He had 14 in the playoffs last season, but that was 14 in 23 games to lead the playoffs in scoring last year. He's got 11 in what, 14 games or something like that this year. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's eleven and fourteen. It's really remarkable, and he's got goals in six straight, eight of his last nine, and they're big goals too. That's the thing. Like I, I'm, I'm going to try to get the math right here, but I believe four of his last six goals have either been the game-winning goal or have given the Lightning the lead, and some of them have ended up as the game-winning goal. So he's scoring in big moments to lift his team, as he did. He got cross-checked in Game Three. And then he still scored. Like, they should have had a power play after that goal. Because Casey Suzuki is cross-checked him right in the back. That's why he fell down. And yet, from his knees, he still scored the goal. Yeah, that was a special goal. And Rangers fans taking a little enjoyment in that goal. Dan, that, that happened at 1940 of uh, period number two. So, let me ask you. <laughs> I don't know if you, you knew that. I mean, this is the, the, the little nuance we bring to the table I here on the hockey time, show. I I didn't think of that, though. <laughs> yeah, th- there you go. Um, l- let me ask you this, uh, and, l- and be honest with me. Are the Islanders in trouble? We have game four tonight, 7.30, right here on 98.7 ESPN. They've been in this position both prior postseason series so far this year. Different animal altogether, though, in Tampa. Are the Islanders at the moment, in your eyes, in a little bit of trouble? Well, I guess you'd have to say they're in a little bit of trouble because they're down in the series, but it's been so close. And that's the thing. It's a break here or there. Uh, And the Islanders actually got a break in game three and still couldn't win the game. The break was their goal. Um, So, yeah, they're in a little bit of trouble here. There's no question. But... They, they're just as resilient as the Lightning are. The Lightning have been one of the most remarkable stats about the Lightning is they haven't lost back-to-back games in the playoffs since the start of last year. They're 11-0 and in games after a loss. But the Islanders are pretty resilient, too. And I, I, I wouldn't, it's so close that I can't sit here and say Tampa's got a hold of this series right now because of the fact of how close it is. One thing that Tampa has a hold of is that understanding of how to play against the Islanders. They didn't have that in game one. Now they do. So it's on the Islanders to make the adjustment to try to shove their game that Tampa's playing right back in their face and play and, and, you know, get more pucks at the net. The Islanders have to have the puck more. They have to move and skate. They did in the second period of game three. They need more of that. They need more pressure. And then when they get the pressure, they have to create some dangerous scoring chances. If the Islanders lose tonight, uh, I know that they've played well and won three in a row a couple times this postseason. If the Islanders lose this game tonight, is there any hopes of, of winning three in a row uh, against the Lightning? I don't think so. I mean, I just gave you the stat. Tampa hasn't lost back-to-back games in a, you know, since the start of the playoffs last year. So I, how do how, you think they're going to lose three in a row? No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. You know, no, Two at home? Right? So, I, I no, I, I don't think so. This is, I hate the term must win, but this is a must win for the Islanders, even though it doesn't eliminate them if they lose, because you you can't think to yourself that you're still in it if you're down 3-1 to one against the Tampa Bay Lightning with the experience that they have and the way they're playing right now. Hmm. 
Yeah. One would think that the Islanders in, are in a heap of trouble, and tonight does. It's not the must win, obviously, because the season does go on, but it's right. it's it's really, it is, in fact, a, a must win. Dan Rosen, NHL.com, joining us here on the Hockey Show Saturday morning, 98.7 ESPN. I want to pick your brain quickly, and I'll let you run and start out um, your day, and I know it's going to end with the Islanders and the Lightning at the Coliseum tonight, and that is the Rangers. Um, you know, Islanders deserving all the attention right now, but the Rangers did make a move this week. Gerard Gallant is their new head coach, and how do you feel about that? Do you like it? Well, here's the thing. I like it from the philosophy of what they're going for now. I think it makes a lot of sense. See, they needed, when they fired David Quinn, they weren't going to hire another coach with zero NHL experience. They needed a guy with experience who had a way about him to understand exactly what it takes to win in the National Hockey League. And Gerard Gallant has that. I mean, he's coached over 500 games. He's taken a team to the Stanley Cup final. Very well respected around the league. He just took a team of no names into the World Championships for Canada, lost the first three games, and ended up with a gold medal. Um, so it, it, he's a very good coach. So from the philosophy of what the Rangers are going for right now, it's the right move. The question, but it's you know we're talking about different arguments here. My question is, is, is it the right philosophy right now with the Rangers? Are they ready to take the next step to where an experienced coach comes in and is supposed to drive them into the Stanley Cup playoffs this season or next season? Not 100% sure that that's the case. I actually would have stuck with David Quinn and stayed the course. But once they didn't, then they had to go in this direction, and he's a terrific guy to hire. So – from, from your perspective, and we know that the Rangers, and it felt like they were kind of right on, on pace with what that letter said a couple of years ago, and, and the team is so young, and the, the goaltenders you know, played well, and, and, and a lot of the younger players got better as the season went on. What, what is, in your mind, and maybe in their mind as well, what is the expectation for this coming season for the Rangers? Like, I would think they absolutely unequivocally have to make it to the playoffs at a minimum. I would think that's the expectation at this point. And they'll tell you, well, it's the expectation going into every year. It hasn't been for the last couple of years for the Rangers to make the playoffs. No, it, it, they have been realistic in where they were. But now the expectation to me has to be that. Because if, it, if it's true that they fired John Davidson and Jeff Gordon and then Followed that with David Quinn because they thought that they were being too patient. The owner thought they were being too patient with the rebuild. Then bringing in Chris Drury and then hiring Gerard Gallant tells me patience is not just going to be something that we're going to have this season. You better go and you better make it and you better make it happen right now. So the expectation to me is make the playoffs at the very, at the bare minimum, get into the playoffs. But I mean, that, that's hard to do. Even though 16 teams make the playoffs in the National Hockey League, look at the division. You know, Washington, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders, they aren't going anywhere. You know, so you, you got you got you to gotta find a way in, and it's going to be difficult. Uh, I, I think they can, but they have to make some moves in the offseason to make them harder to play against. And that's the thing that David Quinn was harping on all throughout this past season was they weren't hard enough to play against. They, they they tried and you tried to get them to play straight and forward and north and you know go 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 and you know hit and do all those things. But a lot of these guys, you know, they like to have the puck and move it around. They need more straight line guys like a like Chris Ryder is. And if you build a team that way, they got a shot. But they're still so young. Lafreniere is a teenager still. Kako's still young. Miller's still young. Shesterkin's still a young goaltender. They're you know Fox is still young. Lindgren is still young. They're still a young team that. 
I, I, I worry about placing expectations that are way too high on them, but I think that's where it's going to be. All right, Dan, listen, great stuff. As always, we appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's talk soon and uh, enjoy the Coliseum tonight. All right, thank you. Appreciate it, man. All right, of course, that is Dan Rosen, NHL.com. When we return, we'll hear from Barry Melrose on the hire for the Rangers on Gerard Gallant and Barry Trotz on Lou Lamarillo being uh, named finalist for GM of the year. And we'll get you ready for game four and five, at least, of the Islanders and the Lightning right here on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome to the Hockey Show. We've been on, but, I mean, just welcome back. 98.7 ESPN, Rothenberg with you. Hand it over to Joe Wiz in just a couple moments, and then I'm back at 9 o'clock this morning as we get deep into the weeds of all sorts of uh, of sports. We'll do Stump Rothenberg at 10.30. You know the way that we, we break down the, uh, the Dave Rothenberg show on a Saturday. So where are we? We're 2-1. Islanders trailing in this best-of-seven series. Game four, I want to recap where we are. Game four tonight uh, at the Coliseum. 7.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. And not to be the bearer of bad news, but you lose this game tonight if you're the Islanders. You may not ever see this team play. And I know this is like, you know, a nostalgic arena. It's great with the memories that they have there. This could be it. In theory, it could be the last game ever at the Coliseum for the Islanders. So that's game four tonight, game five, which we know, in fact, will happen at Tampa, 7.30 on Monday, a game you can hear, of course, right here on 98.7 ESPN. You get the common theme every single game on 98.7. Game six, if necessary, Wednesday um, home. That's at the Coliseum. 7.30, 98.7. And game seven. Oh, the old delicious game seven, which we haven't seen from the Islanders yet this postseason. Um, if necessary, would be next Friday in Tampa. 7.30, again, right here on 98.7 ESPN. I want to uh, I want to spend a moment on Lou Lamarillo and, and what he's done and the importance of what he's done. And Barry Trotz did as well. So Lou, who really was the architect for the Devils and led them to a, a great run in the uh, in the 90s. They were probably the best team. The, the, the Red Wings, the um, Islanders uh, were not at that level back then, of course. Rangers were good for an extended period of time. And the Devils were just sensational. Well, Barry Trotz um, discussed Lamarillo and and him being named GM of the year as a finalist. So here is the head coach of the Islanders on the GM. It means a lot, and and uh, being nominated as a finalist again is it doesn't surprise me because I work with uh, with Lou. But uh, the biggest thing is he, there's not a thing that is not. Uh, He's so detail-oriented, so connected between the process of coaching to management. That that whole a lot of times you find that you know Lou is coached in the National Hockey League and in college, so he understands what us we go through emotionally uh, and how teams are. And obviously, he has, understands that in in terms of building and and creating personnel uh, decisions for coaches, and then the connection to the the other part of the game, the you know the uh, the fan part the marketing, the dealing with that part of the game, the business part, he has a really good understanding of of how they they work together but they don't they they don't necessarily should overlap in certain areas and that's what I think he is able to separate so well. I I have heard stories about Lou Lamarillo. He knows absolutely everything going on within the organization what the marketing team doing what the the ticket sales you know people are doing what the on the ice guys are doing what each player is doing i mean he is he is intertwined in every aspect 
of this team. And listen, I think Gar Snow started to put it together and Lamarello has come in and you look at the acquisitions, you look at the Pajot acquisition uh, last year, you look at, at the Andy Green acquisition, you look at what he did this year at the trade deadline. So just a, a terrific job. And, and I think this was the expectation for the Islanders who were so bad for so long to somehow find themselves in a position where Lamarillo is your GM and Barry Trotz is your head coach is just absolutely nothing shy of a phenomenal Rangers aspire to get to where the Islanders are right now and clearly not there at the moment, but they did make their hiring this week. And we, we heard from Dan Rosen on that and Gerard Gallant. So you don't know a lot about Gerard Gallant potentially. Um, he was a head coach of Columbus back in the early two thousands. Uh, they missed the playoffs his first two years and then was actually fired um, 15 games into his third season. So not great. 56 and 76 overall uh, with the blue jackets went to Florida and w- was good, was better there. That's in 2014-15. Missed the playoffs in his first year, but there were nine games over 500. They were terrific in uh, in his second season. They were 47-26-9. Lost to, ironically, the Islanders uh, in the first round. And then in his third season, so it seems about three years is it for Gerard Gallant. They were 11-10, and 10, and then they decided to fire him. And then he goes to Vegas, that, that brand new hockey club out in the desert, and uh, sensational, right? Year one, 51 and 24. Uh, they lost in the Stanley Cup Finals eventually to Washington. Uh, the next year, 43-32, and 32, lost in the first round to San Jose. And then, as you guessed it, year three was fired yet again, uh, but still above 500, 24, 19, and 6. So that is the new Rangers head coach, a little backstory of where um, where he was prior and what he did prior. And Barry Melrose on In the Crease gave us his two cents on the hiring for the New York Rangers. Great pickup. I love it. Uh, if you saw what he did at the World's Canada went over there, they lost the first three games. They were embarrassed. They were being uh, crushed by uh, media over here. And Jerry Gallant got things going. He got things turned around. They ended up winning the Worlds. I think that really went a long way for the New York Rangers saying, hey, if this guy can straighten that out, he can straighten anything out. So, And he's a good guy. The people are going to love him. Character, character, man. Yeah. All right, so it feels like, listen, Islanders are in great uh, standing right now. Rangers, the future is very bright, and I know the Rangers fan very excited about this hire as well. So enjoy it, people. It's postseason hockey well into June for Islanders fans. Big thanks, as always, to our recording producer, uh, Andy in Merrick, the great Anthony Pusick, and and Ray Dinahan as well. Have a great weekend. I say that, and I'm back in, uh, in an hour. Joe Wiz is next. It's The Hockey Show. Has been right here on 98.7 ESPN. I used to gamble a lot.